0: worship? All right, here we go. So let's stand together.
1: shake hands with someone and say good morning.
0: And the only way that's going to happen is through experiencing him, not talking about him, not listening about him. It's about experiencing him. And we have opportunity this morning to experience him in a really special way. And what that means is we step out into the unknown with Jesus Christ. You know, today in our culture today, we resist the unknown. We want to avoid the unknown, but Jesus says, come on out here on the waters with me. And if you trust me, I've got something really special for you. Now, it won't be easy because you're going to have to jump into territory that most of your life you try to avoid. But he says, if you come out here on the waters with me and you show that faith and that trust, I will show you things and I will be with you in a way like you've never experienced before. So instead of this just being a song that we sang, let's just allow God's Holy Spirit to just infiltrate our very being, and would you step out this morning? that you've given us that we can come together like this and experience you in a fresh and a new way. Father we thank you for your Holy Spirit that speaks to us that leads us and guides us. I pray Lord that each one of us knows that relationship with you through Jesus Christ for what you did on the cross for us Lord. Father I pray for that person that's coming here this morning Lord discouraged Would you speak to their heart, Lord, and lift them up? Father, I pray for that person that's come in here this morning, just on top of things, and things are going really well. Lord, would you speak to their heart? And Father, help us not to let our emotions guide us, but Father, your Holy Spirit and your voice, that we would be so in tune to you, that when you call us out onto the waters, into the unknown, Lord, that we would step out and trust you with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind. And so this morning, Lord, we look forward to hearing from your word, God. We pray that you'll be with Rich this morning as he delivers the message to us, God, that you have spoken to him about this week, Lord, and placed an excitement in his heart. And so, Father, I pray that when we leave this place, we will know that we have met with you. We give you all the glory for everything that happens here, for those that are in the student ministries this morning, Lord, for those online, for the children's ministry, Lord. We just lift we just lift everyone up, God, and say, speak to us this morning, God. We praise you. We give you all the glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated and watch this.
2: Hey guys, Celebrate Recovery is for anyone. It's not just for drug addicts and alcoholics. So if you're suffering from a hurt, habit, or hang-up, come out to our cookout Sunday, September 9th at 1 o'clock right here at Salem Fields Community Church. Maybe you just want some more information. Hurts, habits, and hangups. come join us Sunday, September 9th at 1 p.m. Yeah. Well, welcome to church today. We're glad that you're here. Good to see you. I think I can see you. There we go, <laughs> a little better now. Well, you look good. After two weeks being gone, it's good to see you again. Gay and I had a great vacation, and uh, we're just glad to be back. Hey, we're going to, if you're a guest today, we want to welcome you here. We appreciate you being here today, and uh, glad you chose to come to Salem Fields today. We have a connection card in the program. We'd love for everyone to fill that out. If you just uh, open that up and grab that card, and you can put it in the basket when or the bucket when it comes by, and uh, we'd appreciate that. Uh, but anyway, we're gonna take our ties and offerings now. And if you're a guest, don't uh, feel obligated to give, but we do appreciate those who give faithfully here at Salem Fields Community Church. And how you, uh, as you give, God allows us to do what He's called us to do, and and uh, take care of the things that uh, we need to take care of. And so we appreciate that, and we pray God's blessings on all of you who give so faithfully here at Salem Fields Community Church. So today you can give many different ways. So you can give with a check or cash. You can go out to the kiosks and give. You can give online or you can give with our brand new app that's not so brand new anymore unless you have not downloaded it yet. And uh, so, anybody not downloaded it yet? Yeah. Did anybody raise your hand? Tim, have you downloaded it? It's time to do it, buddy. Let's go. (laughs) Anyway, um, you can give on the app as well. That's the most convenient way to give. Uh, However, you give, give unto the Lord. Check in on Facebook. Uh, we like to do that. It's the best way that we know for you to invite your friends when you don't want to ask them personally. You can just go on Facebook and you can check in and invite all of your friends to join you here at, um, at Salem Fields. We have services on Saturday night at 6 o'clock, 6.02, and here on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11. And we have plenty of chairs and plenty of room, and uh, God's called us to reach our community. Did you know there are 60,000 people within six miles of our church, maybe more now, that don't go to church anywhere at all? And uh, they're just waiting for us to invite them. So invite your friends and uh, see how God will use you to reach our community and do what God has called us to do. Uh, also, first-time guests, if you're here, we do have a free gift for you out in the lobby. We'd love for you to stop by at the table there. It says first-time guests and uh, pick up your free gift, and uh, we'd love to uh, share that with you. Back to Basics is a class we've been having all summer, and it meets every Sunday night. But tonight it won't meet due to the holiday holiday weekend and so it'll be resumed the next week and uh, you can jump right in there you don't have to be at every class it kind of just keeps going there and you can uh, jump on that <clears throat> and so our men's advance is coming up September 21st through that weekend it's going to be in Jamestown uh, at the 4-H camp it's a great camp right on the James River for all of you men uh, we'd love to have you join us it's a uh, We've been doing this for years, and it's just a great weekend that we set aside. There's all types of activities and things that will be happening. We have a great speaker coming, and we'd love for all of our men here at Salem Fields to be a part of that. There's a table in the lobby that you can sign up on, and we uh, would appreciate, men, if you do that as soon as possible. Celebration service coming up the last Sunday of this month. Celebration service is a time where we gather as a church And uh, we celebrate all that God has done in our lives. We do baptisms, baby dedications. We we share communion together. We worship together. It's a great experience. And we hope that you'll put that on your calendar. If you've never been baptized, you know Jesus commands us to be baptized. And uh, so we'd love to uh, baptize you. You can sign up on your connection card if you have a child that you would like to be dedicated unto the Lord. We'd love to do that as well. So thank you uh, for being here. And we're really glad to see you.
0: Uh, our mission's team, we had a team went to Quito, Ecuador, and I see a couple of them here, and they're back safe and sound. We thank you for your service. All right, here we go. I
1: lived
0: hot on the wire
3: Hand in the fire for so long But you should be better A new kind of love That's ever the one I want I'm lifting you higher I find on my own I've seen the world but I have never Been so sure
4: so far? Yeah. Y'all enjoying it? So, hey, we start a brand new series called Dress Code this morning. I'm really excited about it. Uh, Dress codes are an interesting thing. You know, this whole concept that you have to wear a certain thing in order to enter a certain environment or that there's maybe this unspoken rule of what I'm supposed to wear to this certain event in order to to be accepted or to feel like I belong at it. And so, as I was preparing for the message, I started to just check out different dress codes. I thought it'd be really interesting, like, well, what are the dress codes for certain things? So, in my search, I found some very interesting things. So, guys, did you know that there are specific things that you're supposed to wear during the holidays, depending on where you're going? Thanksgiving, obviously rocking the collared sweater, Uh, Office holiday party, that guy looks like he's having fun. Uh, Christmas open house party, the sweater with the tie. And Christmas Day, oh, they're just having fun, even rock the Santa hat, there you go. Uh, I never knew that that's what you had to wear on holidays, especially to an office Christmas party. I'm gonna make sure that I hold Buddy to that standard. So, uh, dressing for a first date. Guys, there are certain things apparently you're supposed to wear on a first date. Spring-summer edition. So obviously if you're going somewhere fancy, just rock that sport coat, or if you're going to have that nice picnic, the collared shirt. And I said last service, I'm surprised Kristen ever married me because I don't think I ever wore any of those things to anything we've ever done. Maybe I have, I do not think so though. Uh, what about this one? How to dress for a job interview. Now we know we're supposed to dress up for a job interview. Apparently uh, they want you to wear the fanciest suit possible so that when they give you the job, they can lowball you on what you're going to make because you already have the fancy clothes so they can justify it. So anyways, that's what you're supposed to wear to a job interview. My favorite dress code of all has to be the Kentucky Derby. I mean, (laughs) look at that. Uh, It's apparently half horse race, half hat show. And so that's probably a very modest hat compared to some of the other things that they've worn. Also at the Kentucky Derby, apparently it's common to wear these crazy hats, but also it's supposed to wear these really bright pastel colors. These news anchors at the Kentucky Derby kind of got in. You know, they're rocking the sweet hats, rocking the the colors. Now listen, I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to put anybody down. I'm just saying, I look at this dress code and immediately what comes to my mind are these guys. Just saying. (laughs) I mean, I see similarities here. Would you all agree? (laughs) Just saying. But the cool thing about dress codes is, you know, we try to find maybe within the dress codes ways to still keep our originality and to keep our uniqueness. Uh, Especially, you know, you're going to a wedding, you know, you got to wear a tuxedo or or a suit of some sort. But you know what? You're a jeans and t-shirt kind of guy. Well, that guy invented this, the tuxedo (laughs) t-shirt. I mean, again, I gotta wear a tux. Why not rock it the way I feel comfortable with? Um, golfing, you have to wear a collared shirt. Somehow the collar makes everything fancier. So uh, Ian Poulter, he decided he wanted to be completely unique. You know what, if I gotta wear a polo, I'm gonna go all out. So uh, after this round of golf, I'm pretty sure he was either going to a disco dance <laughs> or he had a, a gym class with Richard Simmons afterwards. So. <laughs> Not 100% sure. lastly, we've seen the sign, no shirt, no shoes, no service. This guy found a way around that. Because apparently going shirtless is a hard thing for getting your shirt at home frequently. But he found a way around it. So uh, that is creativity, isn't it, guys? So there you go. You find yourself without a shirt, be like that guy. Enjoy that mental image the rest of your day. Uh, But whether we like it or not, agree with it or not, understand it or not, there are dress codes, there are external requirements in order to enter a business, participate in an activity, or belong in an environment. Now we can visibly see that for fashion, but whether we realize it or not, we also have external dress codes, so to speak, even in church. You see, we are very careful walking through the doors on the weekend, making sure we have on our church face, smiling, acting like we have it all together, We smile, we pray, we say amen to the message, and then we leave, we strip off our church clothes, so to speak, and we go back to screaming at our spouse, yelling at the kids, cursing people in traffic, ignoring the people in the stores, judging our neighbors, and engaging in activities we wouldn't dare let somebody see in church. We have two dress codes. We have to be one way at church, and we have to be one way at home. But I love this church because they live by the Jesus dress code. And that is come as you are, brokenness and all, because we know that Jesus cares more about what's going on on the inside, in the heart, than he does the facade you display on the outside. Because the reality is whatever's going on in your heart is going to show up on the outside. Jesus cares more about the internal things. So not only do we put on church base and neglect the things of God and what he wants to deal with internally, But what happens when we do this, we begin to portray to others that in order to come to Jesus, you have to have all your stuff together already. You know, we look at the world and we say, I cannot believe they are doing A, B, C, and D. Meanwhile, forgetting where God has brought you from and considering that you would actually be doing A, B, C, or D without him. So we need to throw out the dress code of clean yourself up and then come to Jesus because Jesus wants us just as we are. But did you know that as Christians, there is a dress code for us? You see, Jesus wants us to come to Him as we are, but once we accept Him as our Lord and Savior, He then wants to transform that. And we are then supposed to dress differently. And I'm not talking clothing. I'm talking we should be cultivated within our hearts this invisible, work that Jesus wants to do in our hearts, it should be cultivated so that when we are out in public and we are interacting with people, they see Jesus. And the dress code that he gives for us as Christians is found in Colossians 3.12. And it says, therefore, as God's chosen people, so as Christians, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So, if that is the wardrobe of being a Christian, the thing I want to ask you this morning is how are your clothes looking? You know, I'm not talking about the world's GQ. I'm talking about God's GQ, God qualities. In other words, as Christians, are we making sure that we are cultivating these things in our hearts so that when we interact with others externally, what people see is the compassion of Jesus, the kindness of Jesus, the humility of Jesus, and the gentleness and patience of Jesus. Because this is what the world needs to see us clothed in, not judgment, not condemnation, not anger, not hypocrisy. So we need to ask ourselves the question, are we wearing Colossians 3, 12 clothes, or is it time for us to get a new wardrobe? So this week, I want to talk to you about compassion. Now, if we are to really know and reflect the heart of Jesus, compassion should be a frequent companion of our lives. It should be the go-to t-shirt within our closet. Why? Because compassion is all about people. And Jesus is always about people. Now, the dictionary definition for compassion is sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. And while that's a decent definition... Jesus demonstrates a compassion that goes far deeper than just pity or concern. So we're gonna look at two Bible stories this morning where Jesus, I feel, demonstrates to us a greater understanding of the kind of compassion that he calls us to. And now these two stories carry a three-part definition of compassion, which I will break down here shortly, but see if you can pick it up within the text. Our first story comes from Luke 7, Uh, Verses 12 through 15, and it reads, As he drew near to the gate of the town, this is Jesus, Behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came up and touched the bier, and the bearer stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. So just to paraphrase this, Jesus comes up on a funeral procession. He sees this mourning mother who is a widow and has just lost her only son. And compelled and moved with compassion, he goes over to her and he raises her son from the dead. So now let's look at our second story. Matthew 20, verses 30 through 34. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But they shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and he called them, what do you want me to do for you? And he asked, Lord, they answered, we want our sight. It says Jesus had compassion on them. And touched their eyes. And immediately they received their sight. And followed him. So once again to paraphrase this story. uh, Jesus is in town. These two blind beggars. They hear off in the distance all this commotion. And they find out that it's Jesus. And they start crying out for him. Lord heal us. And the crowd tries to quiet them. And essentially says shut up. Stop talking. But Jesus moved with compassion. Hears them. Goes up to them. Asks what they need. They say they want to be healed of their blindness. He touches them, and they're healed. Both of these stories mention Jesus having compassion on someone. And the first one, the woman who lost her son, and in the second, the two blind men. But if we look a little closer, we can begin to understand the compassion that Jesus calls us to in a much deeper way. So the first thing we need to understand about true compassion the way Jesus desires, is compassion sees and compassion hears. Compassion sees and compassion hears. In the story of the mother who lost her son in Luke 7, verse 13, it says the Lord saw her and had compassion on her. See, Jesus sees the mourning mother and is moved with compassion for her. In the story of the two blind men, they are yelling for Jesus to heal them. Jesus hears their cries. He hears their requests, and in verse 34, it says Jesus had compassion on them. So you see, the first step to having compassion is looking beyond ourselves in order to see and hear the needs, the struggles, and the hurts that are all around us. See, I don't know about you, but uh, when I'm on my phone and I'm reading something, I can completely tune out what is happening around me. And I mean, I've seen videos of people walking and texting being completely oblivious and they'll fall into a fountain in the ball. Uh, But I I do, I can tune out. And so I'm usually looking at something sports related or seeing that Oklahoma football won another football game, which they did yesterday, God's team, God bless you. (laughs) So, but anyways, so I can be doing that and my kids can come up to me, hey, daddy, can you get me a snack? Hey, daddy, daddy, can you get me something out of the fridge? Hey, daddy, can you you go and do that? not hearing this happen. And then five minutes later, I'll then hear a crash in the refrigerator and I will look up, I'll go, I'll see all this food spilled out all over the floor, things broken, and I'm like, what just happened? When the reality was, I was so busy and so focused and so consumed with what I was doing that I didn't see the need around me. I didn't hear the need around me. And so all of a sudden, something that was, I could have met immediately a need that I could have taken care of got a lot worse so you see I wonder how many of us in our homes and in our workplaces and in our communities miss the cries from broken hearts and don't hear the cries for help because we are so distracted with our own lives our own agendas and our own problems see, if we're going to care for others the way that Jesus does, then we're going to need to start looking beyond ourselves and start seeing people. And I mean actually seeing people. See, I can look around this room right now, and I can see that there are people here. But when I start looking at you in the face, all of a sudden, I think go beyond of just seeing to truly seeing. I can see the expressions on your faces. I can look into your eyes, and I can see if you're hurting I can see if you're sad. I can see if you're struggling. That's what Jesus calls us to. He calls us to see people, to see needs. See, in order to see the way true compassion sees, means that we're also going to need to see the way that Jesus sees people. And I can tell you all, Jesus sees people a lot different than people see people. Uh, Didn't y'all notice in verse 31, the story of the two blind men, it said, the crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. These men were crying for help, and the crowd essentially said, stop talking. These two men had a physical need, but all the crowd wanted was for them to stop annoying them. The crowd, through human eyes, saw two beggars yelling. But Jesus' eyes see two people worthy of attention and worthy of compassion. We look at the people and we're like, I mean, yeah, that's a pretty clear-cut example of a lack of compassion. And we can look and say, man, like, that's really messed up that they did that. But I wonder how many of us respond to people the exact same way. I mean, the two blind men are pretty obvious in what their need was, but I wonder how many of us recognize the cries of people that aren't so obvious. You see, I wonder how many people are crying out on your Facebook feeds and you condemn them the same way that the crowd condemned the beggars. You know, I wonder how many of our neighbors are crying out for help in subtle ways but we're so focused on how much their actions are annoying us. See, I wonder how many of us realize that the many negative and destructive acts of people around us are really just cries for help. You know, how many times do we turn on the news and, and we see the violence and we see the destructive behavior and we say, I just want this to stop instead of recognizing the brokenness behind the action. You see, in order to have a heart of compassion like Jesus, It requires us to see people like Jesus, but it also requires us to hear people like Jesus. So who is crying out for help in your life but you can't hear because you're tuned into the wrong voices, the voice of judgment, the voice of frustration, of opinion? Tune into the voice of Jesus and and I guarantee you that the more you tune into his voice, you'll start to hear the voices begging for help even in the most subtle of ways. Ask Jesus to help you see and to help you hear people the way that he does. Ask Jesus to give you the grace and the patience to see past the actions of people so that you can react to people out of compassion instead of emotion. Choose to start looking beyond yourself. Make a daily commitment to look for one person to help or one person to encourage. Ask Jesus to tune your ears to his voice so that you can tune Into the needs of others. Now, we can't meet every need of everyone everywhere, but I guarantee you, if you truly look beyond yourself and open your ears, God will show you who needs your help and your compassion. The second thing that compassion does is compassion feels. Compassion feels. Now, I'm gonna be honest with y'all. This is an area of compassion that I have completely struggled with. Even as I was working on this message, God clearly spoke to me that I have lacked this part of compassion in my own life to the point where I then even had to go to certain people in my life and ask for forgiveness. Because the reality is, and what I discovered of myself, is that when things would get difficult and things would get hard, my natural tendency is to just go within myself and to kind of hide away and kind of avoid the feeling of, Of hurt or the feeling of pain. And so when people in my life would experience that, because that's my natural reaction, what I would then do is, oh, they're going through that struggle instead of being in there with them and kind of doing that with them, I would then once again just withdraw to protect myself. But the reality of the fact is compassion requires us to feel because compassion requires empathy. You see, it's one thing to sympathize with what someone is going through, but it's a whole other leg to compassion to truly empathize with someone. See, the definition of empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of one another, to share the feelings of one another. That means weeping when they weep. That means hurting when they hurt. Bearing one another's burdens. Now, Paul kind of emphasizes this in, 2nd Corinthians chapter 1 verses 3 and 4 where it says blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God Paul is telling us you know the way that Jesus loves you You know the way that that he is near to you? You know the way that, that whenever you're feeling that hurt, when you're feeling that pain, he's right there by your side and he's comforting you and he's helping you through that? You know that same feeling where you felt hopeless, but he was there and he was helping you see clearly and he was giving you light in the darkness? Yeah, that same way he brought you through what you went through, that's what you're supposed to do for others. Because you're supposed to model Jesus to others in the way that you show them compassion and empathy. But how can we do that if we aren't allowing ourselves to feel what others are feeling? You know, I think one of the greatest hurdles in regards to empathy is that we fear feeling, especially the emotions associated with hurt or pain. But we can't fear feeling. You know, in order to truly show others compassion, we have to let our hearts break, which if we're honest is something most of us try to avoid. But Jesus calls us to love others as we love ourselves. And we cannot effectively do that if we never allow ourselves to experience the pain, the struggle, and the plight of others. It's interesting because we can see and we can hear, but I don't know that we can clearly see and we can clearly hear without feeling. See, I can see someone in poverty, and I can see their need, by the way that they are living and I can hear someone in poverty with the way that they are asking for help or for money, but until I stop and I feel their struggle, I put myself in their shoes i won 't see the fullness of what they are going through and the depth of the help that they are asking me for and what they really need see there's a lot of social issues going on in this country and we have a lot of opinions and Based it off of what we see and what we hear. But I have to tell you this. Look, until we feel the place that that person is coming from. Until we walk in their shoes. Who are we to say what they need to do? What they should do? How they're to act, to not act. To think or to feel. Jesus doesn't tell us to put on judgment and opinion. He tells us to put on compassion. And within compassion is an empathy that says, I want to understand what my neighbor is going through so that I can walk with him, comfort him, help him, and lift him up the way the Heavenly Father does. Compassion says we're all in this together. I I don't know how you feel, but I want to. And even if I can't wrap my head around it or even if I will never understand it, I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to listen. I'm going to care for you. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to empathize with your struggle because why? Jesus cares for every single person. He cares for every need. He cares for every tribe. He cares for every tongue. Compassion says, I don't fully know the burden you carry, but I'm not going to allow opinions or perceptions to cultivate how I look at someone and how I respond to someone because every person deserves my compassion and my love. Why? Because that's what Jesus modeled for us. And I want to live by his dress code. Compassion feels. Jesus saw the mourning mother and and was moved with compassion for her. He felt her tears. Jesus heard the cries of the blind men, and he felt their struggle, even as everyone else mocked them, and was moved with compassion for them. Are we allowing ourselves to feel the struggle of others? Are we willing to take their pain that that they have felt or that we have even experienced and sit with them in order to to relate to them better and to show them the comforter? Are we willing to feel? There's another layer to compassion. And it goes beyond just seeing, hearing, and feeling. Compassion responds. Compassion, response. Watch this video.
5: So five years ago, Jesus asked me to quit my high paying job, sell everything and go live with the poor. So for the next two years of my life, I got to live under bridges and cardboard boxes, eating out of dumpsters and trash cans with those whom Jesus calls the greatest in his kingdom. You know, growing up as a Christian in the South, those church books seemed so sadly satisfied to trade true sacrifice for, um, for scholarship. I mean, each week on Sunday, millions of us Christians, we would, we would put on these expensive clothes, driving expensive cars, passing homeless shelters, orphanages, prisons, feeding programs at hospitals, all to find a Jesus who says in Matthew 25, those are the places we'd find him. I mean, if the God who made the universe can come into the dust, then we ought not to find it so difficult to kneel in it. It seemed as if we were so unsatisfied with God's image, so we recreated Him in ours. You know, from the outside in, it appeared that Christianity had nothing more to offer the world than a tried assurance that things would be better when we die. What about life while we live? Life for the living, what does the cross say about that? Knowing that Jesus didn't come to just donate to the poor, but to join them, I thought, I'll join them too. So I made the decision that I would quit my job, sell everything, and then go actually live on the streets. Once I was out there, I started to notice my friends needed shoes and socks. The little money that I had, um, I started to provide that for them. But then there was this one guy named Joseph, and Joseph is really kind of the turning point in the story. He asked me for a pair of steel toe work boots because um, he was offered a job on a construction site. So we went shopping, we got him the boots, he got the job and then he got off the streets and I thought, wait a minute, what if what I if start this non-profit clothing brand, call it Clothe Your Neighbor As Yourself and start selling clothing online and give away 100% of the profits to empower people like Joseph. So here we are five years later, we've provided uniforms to orphans in developing countries so that they can go to school and get an education, we've provided employment to women uh, in developing nations uh, so that they can start their own jobs and their own businesses, we've provided interview attire for homeless folks looking to land a job and come out of poverty, and we've also provided new wardrobes to women rescued from sex trafficking, it's been beautiful, but ultimately all that passionate about clothing. We just believe another world really is possible. We just happen to sell clothing to find that world, to reimagine into existence something better than what we see.
4: He heard the cries of poverty, but then he also chose to feel poverty, to go and live amongst the ones that were in it every single day. But that wasn't enough for him. He felt that in order to truly demonstrate the compassion that Jesus calls us to, it was going to take a response. In James Barnett's case, he started, clothe your neighbor as yourself. Now, before you go thinking it, I am by no means Saying that we're called to do what James Barnett did. That's what he felt compelled to do. And that's what the Lord led him to do. But what I will say is that we are all called to get our hands dirty like he did. Because compassion requires us to demonstrate the compassionate heart of Jesus through our actions. Now I want to go back to our two stories of Jesus for a minute. Look at the story of the woman who lost her son in Luke 7. Look at verses 13 through 15, and and it says, And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came up, and he touched the buyer, and the bearer stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Now, Jesus' compassion didn't stop at seeing the morning mom It didn't stop at feeling her sorrow. He responds like only Jesus can and raises her son from the dead. Now, again, I'm not saying go around, start raising people up from the dead, though I believe we can because the same power that conquered the grave lives in us. So we have that ability. But what I am saying is that we are called to empathize with people and to respond in order to leave people in a better place than they were before. And don't even begin, I'm gonna preface this too, don't even think that you know what better is for someone until you see, you listen, and you feel. And we won't always be able to fix their hurts and solve their problems, but we can respond to meet their needs and through our compassion lead them to the feet and the heart of Jesus. Look again at our story in Matthew 20. Starting at verse 32, it says, Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked, Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and he touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. Jesus heard their cries, discovered their need to the point that he was moved with compassion, but it didn't stop there. The compassion led him to a response, touching their eyes, and healing them. And in both instances, Jesus got his hands dirty. He touches the coffin and he touches the blind man. And let me ask you this. How often in our lives do we avoid people and their issues like they have the plague? How often do we just veil what they're going through in order to keep a distance by offering a, a very empty praying for you? Are we praying for them? And and is that something that we just say in, in order to make it look like we're responding when we're not? Listen, I love prayer. Prayer is everything to me. We need to be praying. Praying changes things. It transforms lives. But I wonder if Jesus needs you to be the answered prayer to someone else's. What if they don't need more prayer, but they need someone to be the visible hands and feet of Jesus to them? To have someone put their arm around them and to help pick up the pieces of their life to get their hands dirty. What if they don't need another scripture verse and a get well soon card, but they need someone to go to the chemo treatments with them and to fight through the hardest parts with them? What if someone doesn't need just another $10 bill bill to get their next meal, but they need someone to help them find a job? Compassion doesn't just see, it doesn't just hear, and it doesn't just feel. Compassion responds in order to leave someone in a better place than before. We need to get in the mess, into the struggle. We need to get our hands dirty. That's compassion the way that Jesus models, and that's love the way that Jesus loves. We need to step outside of our comfort in order to meet somebody in their discomfort. Now, I want to close with another story from the Bible. Uh, the story's found in, in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. And it says, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You've answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But the man, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among the robbers, who stripped him and beat him pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him. Take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Now which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him you go and do likewise Now, a couple of things that we need to understand about this parable Samaritans were viewed as outcasts by the Jews people that the Jews at the time didn't want to be caught dead associating with that, that they felt that they were better than that they felt were beneath them Yet Jesus references a priest and he references a Levite that saw the man and did nothing Two men that would have known the Word of God, that would have been a part of their lives, yet they moved to the other side of the road. Yet this Samaritan, who the Jews felt was beneath them, responds and helps the man. Shows him compassion. Samaritan responds and gets his hands dirty. See, he saw the man hurting. He heard the man hurting. You know, the interesting thing about this is that we can see, we can hear, we can feel, and we can respond without compassion. The very things that make up compassion are also the very things that can demonstrate we are void of it. You see, I can hear, but instead of leading me to compassion, it can lead me to judging someone. You see, I can feel what someone is going through, but it can lead me to judging and gossiping. You see, I can respond by condemning someone. I can see, hear, feel, and respond, do it all in the flesh, void of compassion and love. I can come to church, I I can know the word, I can post scripture all over social media, tell everyone I'm a Christian, see a need, see someone hurting emotionally, physically, spiritually, and move to the other side of the road. The reality is, the Jew and the Levite, they saw the man. Because it says they saw him and moved to the other side of the road. They heard the man, I guarantee you he was moaning in pain and suffering. They probably felt something, don't think it was anything good, but they could have even felt disgust for the man laying there and moved to the other side. And then they responded because we can respond by doing nothing. Doing nothing is a response. But then they also responded by moving to the other side of the road. I just wonder how many people in our lives that we encounter that are half dead spiritually and instead of getting our hands dirty to love them and to serve them and to help pick them up, we choose judgment or condemnation. Because we are not called to keep our clothes perfectly clean and and pressed and, and offer opinion in order to help others when it's convenient and fits our agenda. We are called to get our clothes dirty, to be the hands and the feet of Jesus spreading real hope to anyone everywhere. Compassion is not a suit or a dress that we keep completely nice and pressed and in a cover in the closet. Compassion is a shirt with holes and stains and and dirt stains and jeans with holes. Because it's active. It gets dirty. It wraps its arms around someone. It doesn't just keep them at a distance. It says, I'm in this with you. I'm going to help leave you in a better place than I found you. You might be beaten. You might be bruised. You might be hurting spiritually, emotionally, physically. Whatever the need is, I'm going to come down. I'm going to wrap my arm around you. And we're going to do this together until you are better than when I found you. It's what we're called to do. Compassion sees and it hears the need. And it runs towards it. It doesn't go on the other side of the road. It feels the need, and it bears the burden, and it responds as Jesus responds through love and mercy and lifting somebody up higher than they were before. Let's clothe ourselves with compassion, and let's truly start meeting the needs of people around us. The band's going to lead us in a song. Just pay attention to the words of this song. And just take this time to truly reflect. Open your heart. And ask Jesus to truly speak to you now. Just like I did when Jesus showed me that area in my life, man. You're getting this feeling thing wrong. Allow him to speak to you. To show you what you need to give to him and respond as he leads you
1: the need That's you.
4: to meet someone in their discomfort because the reality is we as the church we as the body of Christ should be reflecting Him in how we are loving and serving others and I just wonder how much the world sees our compassion or if they still see judgment or if they still see apathy because the reality is they are crying out people are crying out on a daily basis for help are we stepping outside of ourselves are we getting past maybe our emotions or our opinions enough to truly look at them to truly see them to truly hear them to feel the struggle to feel the burden to feel the hopelessness the brokenness and then instead of moving to the other side of the road are we willing to go up to them to wrap our arms around them just to love them and to show them the compassion and the mercy of jesus that's what we got to put on it's the clothes that we got to wear that's what we need to be known for because we want to make him known and that's who he is let's pray God, we thank you for your love. We thank you that you model compassion for us. We thank you that you love every single one of us equally. No matter where we're at, no matter what we've done, or even who we currently are, you still love us. Even in our brokenness and in our struggle, you're kneeling down, you're touching us feeling what we're going through, and you desire to leave us better than we are. God I pray that you would cultivate a heart for people in each and every single one of us. Cultivate a love and a compassion for others that doesn't even make humanly sense but that is supernatural that meets the needs of people, God. God, I just pray for each and every single person here. I pray for the hearts right now, God, that are hardened. God, I pray that you would soften us. I pray that if we've grown apathetic or... We've even become desensitized to the needs around us, God, that you would truly open our eyes, pull back the veil, and help us to see as you see, to feel as you feel, to bear the burden that you bear for your people, for your creation, every single person. And God, I want to make sure that I am allowing the person here this morning that not only has not come to know you yet as the compassionate Father that you are, but hasn't come to know you yet as Lord and Savior. Because you died on a cross for each and every single one of us. You bore our sins so that we would not have to spend eternity void of you, but that we could live life forever with you. And you rose again Three days later, after you were crucified, laying waste to death and to sin and bringing forth life. And all you call us to do is to love you, to believe in you, and to follow you. And so if that's you this morning and you want to live a life of following Jesus, of experiencing daily his love, his compassion, his peace, his comfort, his strength if you want to make him lord and savior over your life just pray this prayer with me father forgive me for i am a sinner forgive me for my sins forgive me for my mistakes forgive me for my wrongs against you lord thank you for dying on the cross forgiving me for my sins and for right being risen from the dead three days later so that I could have victory over death and so that I could live all of eternity with you Jesus thank you I give you my life and I will follow you all of my days help me to walk with you lead me like only you can so if you prayed that prayer this morning just really quick with no one looking around just as a declaration saying yes today's a new day for me i am now a new creation in jesus just on the count of three throw your hand up as a declaration saying yes i now belong to jesus one two three thank you jesus wow wow Thank you. You can put your hand down. Guys, let's applaud what just took place in the lives of these people this morning. Let's celebrate them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your love and your compassion and your mercy leading people to you. Look, if you raised your hand when we leave and we close, there's a table in the back. It says, accept the Jesus Stop here. We just want you to stop there just really quick just so we can... Tell you what your next step is just help you get started on the right foot to really just help you Okay, I've accepted him now. What's next and we'll help you do that So please 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 go visit that table in the back God, thank you so much for what's taking place here this morning. Thank you God For teaching us more your heart and I just pray that it'll be cultivated throughout this week God that it won't just be another sermon that we hear But it'll be a sermon that we feel and that we respond to and that we live in God. We love you. And we give you all honor, all glory, and all praise. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. God bless you. I'll see you next weekend.